Hey guys, what's going on? Welcome back to Andrea Town. I'm really excited today. I have my super good friend who I've known forever and ever. Adam Hunter is on the show today. And I don't know how long we've known each other. I feel like it's been like 13 years, something like that. And we have a lot of history. I used to manage him. I've been in some of the shows and productions that he's done. He's actually been in a pilot, a prank show that I produced. And so our lives have intertwined over the years. He actually taught my daughter when she was at comedy camp at the Laugh Factory. And so we got a lot to cover. And the big news is that he just had a baby. So I can't wait to hear all about that. I was at his wedding a year ago and now he's got a baby. So it's going to be a great show. I'm glad you guys are here. Let's go. Next up, Hey, how are you? I'm good. How about you? What's going on? Oh, there's a lot going on over here in Vegas, but what's going on over there in your new home with your new baby? Uh, I I love it. I love it. I love it. Uh, We got this adorable little baby. She was two weeks late, so I was convinced the father was going to be black. Um, (laughs) But... It was, uh, it was crazy. It was just like my, my wife was having contractions on the way to the airport and I was like trying to make her laugh. I'm like, you look so hot when you contract and <laughs> that didn't go very well at all. <laughs> yeah. You're lucky you're still here after that. I know. And then when she was there, I was like holding her hand and she's like, this is the hardest thing I ever had to do. And I'm like, that's cause you didn't wrestle in high school. She's like, shut up. Stop <laughs> with the joke. Just hold my hand. And shut the fuck up. That's what she told me. Uh, but, and then, uh, and then when the baby came out, it was like, she told me not to look, but I had to look, you know, I'm like, he just, he's like, stop looking, but I couldn't help it. It was like, and I, I watched the head come out first. It was like, a an elephant coming out of a smart car. You uh, know, it was just, like, yes, I do know. And then, but then the, the thing was wrapped around his head. They built cord. I had to cut it. No, they cut it. And then I had to cut the cord. Like I was opening up some kind of store or something. Like it was a. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was it was insane but I, I i held it and she looked at me and uh she's so adorable and then she went right for my wife's boobs right afterwards i'm like listen uh and then i went for the other boob so we, we were both breastfeeding in the hospital <laughs> it, was, uh, it was nice it was, oh my god this is great this is this is like it's a whole new chapter for you it is because I've known, is. I've known, we've known each other. It's got to be over ten years, right? Yeah. And I, I love telling the story. But the first time I met Adam, he was doing a uh, stand-up at Chocolate Sundays, and you were the only white guy on the show, and pretty much the only white guy in the club. Yeah. And Jamie doesn't count. I don't really count. So pretty much, you were the only white guy in the club, <laughs> and I was, I was blown away. I was just blown away by your confidence and. You just unabashedly yourself and don't, don't, don't give a fuck. And I love that about you. Oh, thanks. Yeah. I, I don't, yeah. I, I don't, I don't have the time to put into being someone else. I could barely be me, you know? Right. But, uh, yeah, no, it's, um, but on stage though, that's not always true, right? Like we know a lot of comics that are one way off stage and another way on stage. So I don't think for everybody they're able to no. to be themselves on stage and off stage. And I think, listen, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not saying one is better than the other, but I'm just saying like, it's something that I appreciate when somebody is who they are and they can be who they are in any scenario. And I think that's, that's one of your greatest qualities is that I think you are just truly who you are all the time. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And you too. Thank you very much. I'll never forget when I, uh, uh, remember, I hooked up with the waitress, and I like never called her back. Yep. And you, you were managing me at the time. Yeah. And then I'm on stage. She stood in front of me uh, because <laughs> during during my set, I just stared at me, and I was like, "You've got to be fucking kidding me!" Like during a showcase for Showtime. Yeah. 
And then, and then I got on stage and you start yelling at her. You go, if you ever stare at my client again while he's doing his comedy act, you'll never work in this. That was the, one of the funniest things ever. I was going to kill her. I was going to kill her. I mean, just, just for people listening. So I, I worked, the, when I met Adam, I worked at the Laugh Factory. I was assistant to Jamie Masada and he had me out scoping new talent. And so after I saw you at Chocolate Sundays, I came back and I was like, I found somebody because he was... You know, Dane was really, Dane Cook was really big at the club, but Jamie wasn't managing him. So Jamie was like looking for the next Dane Cook. And I, I was like out there looking and found you and brought you back. And, um, and then we just started like working and I started managing you and we started working really hard and, and I got you this great opportunity, you know, or so we thought at the time for, uh, for the Showtime show. And, uh, this, yeah, this was like the guy was coming to the club to watch you. And all of a sudden this fucking bitch is like standing in front of the stage, like with a, with, I, I didn't, at first I didn't know what was happening. I'm like, is she flirting with him during the show? But then I realized she was pissed because her arms were like <laughs> crossed. And I'm like, Oh God, Adam, don't shit where you eat. You know? Uh, oh my uh, God. Such a lesson, so right? That was so funny. And then it was also funny when like, uh, when like Joe Pesci, who was like your, your godfather, used to show up at like the comedy club. And then one day, like Jamie would always sit in the same chair downstairs. So I look over and I'm like, I'm like, Hey Jamie. And it's Joe Pesci. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> I remember people like up in the green room, they'd be like, it's like so fucking crazy. That guy downstairs looks just like Joe Pesci. And I'm like, I'm like, oh, that is Joe Pesci. I remember saying that. I remember which comic said it. They were like, wow, that's the most Italian thing that's ever happened. Like, at the <laughs> club. So- like that's so Italian that you that you know Joe Pesci and that he's coming to watch you do stand up. <laughs> that was so funny. <laughs> yeah. Jay Davis was like, Wow, thanks for thanks for getting Joe Pesci to come to my show. I was like, Yeah, Jay, no problem. He loved yeah. it. He loved coming. You know, he was good. He told me he was like, uh, he said, yeah, you're funny, but you talk too fast. I'm like, no problem, dude. I'll start, whatever you say. And then he was like, he's like, I don't get Dane Cook. Like, what, what is this? <laughs> no, he used to walk out. He used to walk out right before Dane would come on. And I'd be like, oh, God, please don't. I said to my dad, I go, you don't understand. Like, this is like, he can't do this. And my dad's like, well, you you tell him. I'm not going to tell him. I go. He's like, he's he's outside smoking a cigarette. Yeah. His style of comedy, like he loves, he likes jokes. He like, you know, so the storytelling type of comedy, which, which Dane does is definitely not Joe's style at all. Yeah. So he used to say to me, you need to wear a turtleneck. If you could be funny in a turtleneck, then you're really funny. He's right. He's right. No. And then we did, remember we did that gig in, uh, in, in, in Laughlin and uh, I had no money, and you only borrow like twenty bucks for my breakfast. Oh, Mesquite! Didn't we drive <laughs> to Mesquite? Well, well, your car would like the car that you had early on would like break down. It would break down like just coming from the Laugh Factory to your house. You'd be like, "Yeah, my car yeah. broke down." So then you're like, "Yeah, I got this gig in Mesquite, and I'm gonna drive to Mesquite." I'm like, "How fucking far is that?" You're like, "I don't know, four or five hours." I was like, no, we'll, I'll take you. I'll drive you. You're like, you're the best manager ever. And wasn't that when, wasn't Nick Lachey like power calling me when we were in the, in the yeah, car? Yeah, he was calling you three times a day. You're like, <laughs> this guy's so annoying. I'm like, who? You're like, Nick Lachey. <laughs> you're like, tell yeah. me why. Yeah. No, yeah, you were the best manager though. Like, I don't know, you, you worked there for like two weeks, but you had me 35 spots. <laughs> and you took everyone off the schedule <laughs> just for me. <laughs> Like every show. Oh, and then yeah. complaining. I think Joe Coy was like, what the fuck? Why is he on every show? I'm like, like whatever. I'm like, we so, manage him. It just made so much sense to me. I'm like, don't we want to put the comics that we manage? I mean, I just felt like the show should be all people that we manage. Yeah. No, you, you were doing great until you emailed everybody. Everybody's phone number. Oh my God. It was the worst. I was explaining it to Kevin. So for people listening that this is a great story. So I'm working at the laugh factory and every week, Jamie would give me another job. So I started out as just being his assistant. And then he was like, Oh, sweetie, I need you to help with comedy camp. And I'm like, all right. And he's like, uh, and now I need you to book the comics. And now I need you to run the management department. I just kept getting more and more jobs. And Eric, who was working there, who's great. And Eric was great at his job. Uh, he, he, he gives me Eric's job. He's like, now you're going to do the schedule. And I was like, 
not really uh, great with any, I'm still not great with anything technical. Like I didn't really even know how to work Excel, but the vice president, Sean came over and he's like, it's easy. You just put, take copy and paste the schedule and send it to this, this email address. that has all these people on it. And I'm like, all right. So I copied and pasted it, but I sent the whole thing, the whole worksheet. And for people that don't know that are like me, I didn't know Excel has like three pages to the spreadsheet. So on the first page, that was the schedule. And then the second and third page was a list of names, addresses, and phone numbers of basically every comic that ever lived. I mean, there were people on there that were actually dead that we still had on there. (laughs) It's like, I was... And and so instantly I started getting emails that people were like, oh, boy, good luck. Hey, I think they're hiring in my department. And I was like, what happened? And Sean came running and he's like, what did you do? I go, I sent the spreadsheet. He goes, but you sent the whole thing. I go, yeah, I sent the whole thing. I don't know what I'm doing. And so, yeah, so everybody in L.A. had everybody else's phone number and contact. So like people had to get their phone numbers changed because of you. And then all like everyone was like. You're like, I'm so in, in just trouble. Someone else is like, this is terrible. And then Steve Hofstetter was like, I, we have Dave Attell's phone number. <laughs> <laughs> there were a lot of people that really liked me after that. I remember Skylar Stone was like, finally, I don't have to go through a middleman. I could just call Robin Williams myself if I need him. I was like, oh, God. And then Dom Herrera, Dom was like really in my corner. He was like, oh, Jamie, half the people on there like are just so excited. Anyone has their phone number. like, Because <laughs> <laughs> it was very, there was a lot of speculation because it was literally two weeks before I was going to get health care. And it was like a big joke at the Laugh Factory that nobody ever stuck around long enough to get health care. So I was right at that place where you get health care and then, and then I got let go. And then that's when I started doing stand-up. Yeah, no, which is awesome. So you're you you you're, you're back doing it strong now. I see the yeah. only winning contest in Vegas. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I won a contest. Um, <laughs> well, you know what it was. It's um, I just uh, last year my little dog passed away, and I was going really strong last year, and then it just it fucked me up. It really threw me for a loop, and um, you know, and I know you've dealt with loss too, and it, it's hard to you know the job that we oh. do as comics. It's it's not like sitting at a desk where it's like, okay, you lost somebody, they died. You could sit at your desk and cry, but how do you how do you handle that? Like, how do you process it? And I mean, go the worst on? is that like my, my my mom was like gonna pass away, like then that day, and I had a show that night, and I, I it was just I started just talking about it on stage, and people were like, "That's not funny." And I thought it was like part of the act. Like, like I'd be like, my mom passed away today. It's like, stop telling that joke. Oh, <laughs> like, no, God. That, that, that was, that was pretty bad. Ugh. But I, but I, but I, I just, just try to, I just try to push through it, you know? And like, I, you know, I, I know that if I like the people that have passed away, they would want me to do it, you know? Yeah. They would want to keep doing, getting on stage. Like, so that's, that's the way I do it where I'm like, all right, if, if I, if I stay home and, you know, just on the computer or do this or that, that's not going to help, you know, like, yeah. but, but people want me to be happy and want me to talk about them. And, you know, especially my mom who like, just lo- like at first she hated that I was doing stand up, And then I asked her for money when I went to LA. So I'm going to quit. Uh, and, uh, and then finally, like I like turned her and then she was like my biggest, every, every time I would post anything, she would like it or this or that. So you know, I kind of, I kind of turned her on that. Um, but yeah, also she have- was definitely, definitely in your corner. I mean, at your wedding, I sat at the table with your mom and, uh, I mean, she's just, she, she just is, was so proud of you and just like, just crazy about you. I mean, you could just tell yeah. she was just well, we so happy. My mom, my biological mom left when I was three and we had, we had, we had, we had, we had a real rough go in the beginning. And then, like lately, like the last couple of years, we became really, really close, which was good. You know, it's like, like it doesn't really matter where you start, it's where you stop. And and then the, at that wedding, she actually, I think you saw her right before she gave my dad the middle finger. Uh, at, <laughs> I missed that. At my wedding, which was in front of Scott Bayo. Oh, that's uh, great. So, so yeah, but um, yeah, I think because he didn't, because we, we took pictures at the after the thing, my dad didn't tell her exactly when we were taking pictures, but like I, we told her to stick around. And then she ended up giving my dad the finger in front of like all my friends. Aww. But but it was good. I, th- I think it was actually like everyone. I think everyone understood at that point why I was a, a, a comedian. Yeah. So, uh, 
<laughs> yeah, it all makes sense. I mean, it does come from, I mean, I, I don't know. I guess there are some comics that grew up like in the perfect household, but it seems like everybody I talk to has some kind of dysfunction that they come through and, and you get through like how early on do you think like you knew like you were funny? Like at what age do you think you started using comedy? Um, I think, you know, I think when I was younger when I was like in, I was in third grade. I told my dad, I'm like, I want to be a comic. And he's like, you can't make any money doing a comic. So he knew if, if only I, I, I had listened back then. Uh, but he was, I think when I was, uh, you know, it's really like when you're funny is like, like making your best friends laugh. You know, like when you make your best friends laugh right. and you, and, and they think you're the funniest. And then comedy is like basically treating the audience like they're your best friends. It's about just being as comfortable as you can with the people that don't know you like you are with the people that love you the most, mm. you know, and that, and that just takes a long time because it's just, a, it's just a matter of like, it's getting comfortable on stage, having the right material on stage, having new material, being able to do crowd work, being able to deal with whatever comes your way. I mean, so many comics are really, really good when it's a hot crowd, mm-hmm. but it can be good with a hot crowd. It's like, how are you going to do when you got to do 45 minutes and they hate you at, at minute two? You know, like, and like, no one's laughing at minute five. And I've seen you do those hard, hard gigs. I mean, you used to, we used to, oh God, used to have me go to this place. Where was it? It was like a, I don't know. It was like Westwood, right? Some place in Westwood. And I mean, you built it up to be great. But when we first started going, I was like, wait, you're dragging your own amp, your own mic, your own. It's like, you were like, you were like the most portable comic I've ever met. Like you'll set up anywhere. You're like, (laughs) even now the dining bar, people are like, you're doing great. I'm like, I'm doing great. I'm doing comedy at a show that I built myself. Yeah. I'm like a stage that I, that I, that I paid for $125. I couldn't even build it. I, I like paid John DeResta to build it. Uh, <laughs> but, but yeah, that's, I mean, this comedy is just like, it's just like basically somebody, Sandy Marks had a great joke where he's like, life is a series of failures interrupted by meals. <laughs> he's like, fail, 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 turkey sandwich. <laughs> so like, fail. I love it. Like one of my favorite jokes ever. That's kind of how comedy is, but you like, so you fail upward in some ways. But I mean, you always think you have to like stop yourself from thinking that this next thing is going to be the biggest thing. That's kind of like, that's hard because it's a pretty cynical way of looking at things. But I remember like two years ago, I had a show on Oxygen and it was like me, D Ray, Michael Blackson, Brandon T. Jackson, and everyone was talking about how huge this show was going to be like this show is going to be the biggest show this show this show this show oh my god and, you know the whole network's coming and oh it's testing so well and, and that night I, I, I go for i have a show that night at airs and i go for a run around la sienica and i'm like running and i'm trying to lose, lose weight i get to the comedy club and people were like hey i saw you i'm like oh on oxygen like no running on la sienica <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay, awesome. And it was like every person that saw me saw me running. Oh Nobody God. actually saw me on TV. And it's just like, it's just. And then, I, and then I remember like the show airing one night, and I had aired. I had a show, and it was, there was like four people in the crowd. I'm like, maybe we just turn on the TV that's in the bar, and then people could watch the show. You know, like. Yeah. But that's just. I remember actually doing the t- uh, Tonight Show. First time in the Tonight Show, I was so psyched. You know, I was like, this is my big break. And the next day I had to leave for a cruise ship and they introduced me like this next guy was on the tonight show last night. And, and I'm doing a joke with a joke bomb to go, just so you know, last night I did that joke on the tonight show and some lady in the crowd who was like 80 goes, I didn't laugh that either. I was like, Oh Jesus. <laughs> oh my God. You're getting heckled, heckled on the cruise ship. Oh, those are the worst. Cause I would get heckled by like three year olds. I would, I would have literally uh, the kid shows like four, four year olds going boo. And I'd be like, look at me, kid, I'm your future. Right. And then they, <laughs> then they would just shut up because they, they didn't know how to handle that one. And I think but. from watching you over the years, I think that's always my favorite stuff is how you handle the crowd, whatever crowd it is. And I've seen you in those, yeah. you know, laugh factory, 10 o'clock hot show. And I've seen you, you know, open mic or, you know, a crowd that's just, you know, whatever. And I think that's what you're kind of, you're getting really known for that. I mean, some of the stuff that I've, that I see the videos and stuff you sent me like from weddings that have gone wrong and, yeah. you know, and does none of that, like, I'm so fascinated by the ability to, uh, like, it just seems like none of that brings you down none of that like you don't even consider quitting or doing something else or does that go through your mind i mean the only time like i really think about 
stopping. It's not like it is when I'm, it's just when I miss my wife and now my daughter on like the road, yeah. you know, like that, that, those are the hard parts. Like when you have like a seven day run and you're like, I just want to be home with my family. That's the only time I really think about like, maybe I should do something else, but not like the actual comedy part. Cause it's just like, it's instant gratification. I mean, yeah, yeah that like, eight o'clock show might go terrible, but the 10 o'clock show, it's like the laughter is like heroin in you. Yeah. It's, it's a drug. It's so for sure. And, and, and then, you know, you do a movie or a music video or any kind of video, you got to wait and put it online or wait for people to see it or people to buy it. And it's just it's such a process. Whereas like a joke, you can write a joke, like, Literally, you got to write a joke on the way to the stage, mm-hmm. tell it, and then it kills. Or you write a joke on the stage. I mean, there's really no more of that instant. There's, no, there's none of that instant gratification that you can get. Where it just, you know, and also you control your own destiny. You know, if I want to do shows, if I wanted to do 25 shows next week, I could. Yeah. You know, uh, there aren't that many other. Like, if I want to be, an, if I'm an actor, I'm like, oh, I want to do 25 TV shows. Yeah, good luck. Yeah. You know, good luck one next month. Yeah. You, maybe you can watch 25 TV shows next week. Yeah. You can't even audition for 25 TV shows next week. No. I mean, no. you can't. And, and the way that that's changed so much, you know, it's there's no instant gratification and, and sitcoms are, you know, it's sitcoms, at least when you do a sitcom, it's kind of fun on show night. You have that live audience, yeah. but it's not that anymore, you know, and films, no, forget it's... about it. You're lucky if the film ever comes to a theater, if it ever gets seen, if anybody, you know, and I've been in the same spot you are. You know, I did a film, Paul Savino, Michael Rappaport, we produced it. I'm like, this is it. And uh, no one saw it. It didn't go to the theater and and no one in Hollywood cared. I came back and I was in the same spot I was in when I left. You know, I was like, wow. Yeah. I mean, you, I mean, you could literally text somebody, Hey, here's a 15 second video that I was in. Can, can you watch it? And you'll see them a month later. Do you watch it? Oh, I didn't get a chance to, Like it was 15 seconds. And I literally texted <laughs> you. All you had to do is click. Like, yeah. all that, like there was nothing else. Um, but whereas comedy and the thing about comedy I love is just, it's so, it's so much justice. I mean, you'll see somebody with like, I mean, 10 million you know, Instagram followers and I'll book them at the dime and then, and they won't even get like, like, I'm like, this guy's got 7 million followers, but he can't even get seven laughs. Right. You know, I mean, it's just pure. It's so yeah. pure. Whereas like, if it's funny, they laugh and it really doesn't matter, you know, how, what happened before, you know, yeah, or TV, what happened. TV credits don't transfer. Like you might, that might book you on the show, but that doesn't transfer to the crowd. It buys you. I mean, I was there the night that shit happened with Michael Richards. And, you know, the, the when he got on stage, the applause were thunderous. Like, it was crazy. But that's that's all you get. And then it's like, okay, now you got to be funny. They don't really care. Yeah. You know, your TV credits no, don't, aren't going to get you laughs. And there's nothing better than watching, like, a cocky person who, like, thinks they're funny just get... <laughs> slammed. Yeah, it's funny. I, I think I realize now how hard that is because um not not to say that it wasn't hard for me, but I think that either you're a comic or you're not. You know, and there's a lot of actors that are great actors but not great comics and a lot of great comics that can't act. It just doesn't translate for everybody, you know. But yeah. I've I've you know, when I started doing stand up, a lot of girls that were friends of mine that were actors were like, I want to do it and I would give them some time and try to help them. And it's like, I don't know. It's just not everybody has that ability to no, do stand up. But I met a guy, I, was, I did a music video the day. Some guy was like, I want to do stand up. Like, I don't think I'm funny, but I want to, I want to do comedy. And I was like, and then and I'm like, okay. He's like, what do you joke about? And they started giving me advice on jokes. I'm like, dude, you've never done stand up before. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> but, like, but no, I'm going to listen to your advice on jokes. Like what? everybody thinks that they can do comedy until they have to do comedy. Well, some but, people it's, it blows my mind. Cause it's like, you're not even the funny one out of your friends. I could tell that, you know what I mean? Yeah. You're not a funny person. So why do you think, why oh, do you yeah. think you should be able and to the do internet it? Is basically like a, a, an expert. It's almost like, it's almost as bad as politics where everybody's an expert on how to run the government. And everybody wants to tell you who their great best comics are, why they're funny, why this, why that. And I'm like, dude, I see that person every day four days a week. Like, like you think that that person's funnier than Dave Attell? Like what? Yeah. You know, you, but yeah, but you have to like, listen, without the crowd, we're all doing open mics. So you need people that are actually crowd members and everyone's entitled to their opinion. You, you just have to know how to filter them out. You have to know how to not read YouTube comments, not read Facebook comments, not read Twitter comments. 
it's hard because people are actually like at or like at tagging you or adding you in their comments and you have to not read them. So it's basically like going up to somebody who's talking to you and know how to tune them out. You know, who's actually really good at that was Mike Epps. I, I opened for Mike Epps one day. We were in West Virginia. We were backstage in the green room and people were just coming in and they were like, yo man, uh, yo Mike Epps, I heard you rap. I want you to do a verse in my rap, blah, blah, blah. And this, and they were trying to get him to be on this rap. And Mike Epps looked at the guy like he was Chinese. Like, and then the guy left. And he goes, man, you got to pretend that you that like that that like you don't speak English. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> That's, That's, great. great That's great advice because it is hard. It you know it is hard early on too, especially you know because you you want you want to see how you're doing. And I don't think I think that was my problem starting out for sure. It was like I would constantly take the temperature of my own career, and I think it's important. And, and it's funny, this is what I'm actually working on now. It's important to bomb. And because I had so much time like doing, like entertaining a crowd when I used to sing years ago, I knew how to keep a crowd going, which is why I was a good host. And I did a lot of hosting and had a really successful show at the improv. But the problem was, is that I wasn't, I wasn't comfortable with allowing myself to just bomb, like not on purpose, but you know what I mean? Like not necessarily, like I know how to make people laugh. I can do it, you know, but I've been doing a lot of open mics out here where it's like, I really want to work on some of this new stuff. And I don't know where the joke is yet. And I don't know necessarily how it's going to evolve, but I have to like bring it out there. And it's tough. It's like, it's like birthing a baby. That's not, it's not nine months yet. You know what I mean? And it's, it's uncomfortable. It's like, but I think that's how you get yeah. better. I mean, that's why I, I like run a room out even out here. Like I'm 20 years into it even more, but I run a room twice a week because I want to be able to work on new stuff and not do it at the laugh factory or the improv or yeah. the ha or have to go to Oklahoma to do it, you know? And it's funny cause like even last week I went up and everybody knows I had a baby, but so, you know, I can't go up there and not talk about my wife having a baby. Right. So, and like, I could tell that like, yeah, the jokes weren't all flushed out yet, but the crowd was like happy to hear about it. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, when I, I had, I did like 10 new minutes on it and that which will probably become like three new minutes by the time I get rid of all the, all the junk. But yeah, that's just, you have to find places where it's okay that you bomb or the, you work stuff out. It's like, but I don't like the term workout room because like, even when I run a room, I'm like, I don't want people coming up there with their notes. Yeah. Cause I'm just like, cause then the crowd was like, well, these guys don't give a fuck about the show. Why should I? Mm-hmm. Uh, but I like when people are working on new stuff. Although I, I can't stand people who are like, Oh, I'm just going to write on stage. Cause I'm like, really? You, you, you had 23 hours and like, <laughs> and 50 minutes. minutes. Right. That's right. Now on stage, you're going to come up with the writing or like, like, like there was no other time you could have wrote today. Or this week or this month, yeah. except for on stage. People sometimes like the pressure, but they just also like the fact that like Louis C.K. can do it. So they think they can do it. But like, yeah, Michael Jordan can do a lot of things that most people in the NBA can't do. Right. It doesn't mean they have to think that they're Michael Jordan, you know? So what uh, is your process with that? Do you actually like write out like the entire thing that you want to say? Or do you just write, like write out bullet points and then play with that on um, stage? Well, what I do is I just like kind of, I just journal. Like I'm like, today was... I mean, my wife, my, you know, yesterday was crazy. The, the baby came out. I can't believe the baby can't talk. I hope she likes me. Well, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And then I go jokes there or like, you know I'm saying now with like in conversation, if I like say something funny, I'm like, Oh, that's just pretty funny. So I'll, I'll put it down in like my phone and then I'll go back and like work on it. But I have to like, I ha- and it has to be written out. Like some people can just sort of write it and like can talk and like talk in punchlines and paragraphs. I know like Bill Burr is really good at that, mm-hmm. but that's just not what I'm good at because then I'll just add too many extra words and then I'll start talking around the joke and then all of a sudden the joke gets bigger versus smaller. Like, I, like I'm from the, the, the school of whoever gets the most laughs is usually the funniest comic. But then you could say, well, how are they getting laughs? You know, and you can kind of go into that whole philosophy. Well, Carrot Top's getting more laughs per second than Dave Chappelle is Carrot Top, better comic than Dave Chappelle. So without getting into that philosophy, it's, I like to have as many laughs per minute as possible. Um, and sometimes you can cut the joke too much where you take out the meat. So you have to leave in the meat and the heart of it 
so it's not just a take my wife, please kind of thing. Right. It's not, it's not all one-liners, but I don't like people say, oh, you're a one-liner comic. Like that's not true. I have a lot of jokes that are not one-liners or that are mini stories, but I do like to edit. I find that a lot of people, um, they just don't know how to edit. Like they, they have funny stories, but they could have, they could have told three or four or five stories in that 10 minutes and gotten five times the amount of laughs than one story. You know, and unless kind of, I, yeah, I agree with you. Unless unless the the punchline, unless the laugh is just so worth it, and most of the time it's really not. Like I'm okay sticking with you for a story if that ending of that story is just going to be unbelievable. And most of the yeah. times it's not. And I think you're right. You could have cut all that out and and had five or six tags on that one premise that would have gotten you way more laughs. But right. they, they invest so much in the setup, the setup, the setup. It's like, okay, I got the setup. Where are we going with this? You know, and you're dealing, and I think people forget too, you're dealing with drunk people. You know, people drunk are people, drinking. ADHD people, yeah. people on their phones, people that are recording it. I mean, some people are just master storytellers. Like you got Dane as a great storyteller. You got yep. Bert Crusher. But for every that, there's like people that, are up there telling one story in eight minutes and the crowd tuned out by like minute two or three. And then, and then the, the, and then the comic gets frustrated or something, but, or they just, you know, they just abandon the story. They're like, Oh, I'm not going to finish the story, but <laughs> no, you could have finished the story if you just actually made the story shorter, but it's a people's process. I mean, look, they're, you know, I mean, there's a show called, uh, with our, our Shafir or Roy Woods thing going like, this is not happening. That's devoted to all storytellers. You know, that's, that's their thing. Um, it's just not been my thing. I think that me personally, I, I start my story and then within minute two, I'm like, get this fuck, let's get to the point. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> in my own head, I'm just like, I'm tuning out. You're so heckling like, yourself. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I can only imagine. But, but I've had people not book me. They're like, dude, you do too many jokes, uh, too many one-liners. You got to mix it up, throw in a story or two. So I try really? to tell a story. Or two. Wow. Yeah, I've had people complain. I've had bookers complain. Really? But yeah, I mean, the booker was a comic himself. And maybe oh, he okay. Yeah. Couldn't do it. But, you know, I, I do think, though, there there is, like, if you have the same rhythm throughout the whole 45 minutes where it's but um but um but um but um but um but um that could be a little taxing on the audience. Mm-hmm. So mixing it up is always a good thing. You know, uh, it's just like anything else. Like, they go to a rock show and they, they throw in a ballad, you know, here and there or, yeah. or that and that. I do like to tell a story or two, but sometimes it's like the story will just stick out so much because the rhythm was offset. So it's, it's, a, it's a lot of like a lot of tricks and stuff. And then, but then there's all kinds of like, uh, like you said, it's just weaving it in, making people, are, you know, crowd work. I mean, Rich, Rich Voss gave me great advice where he said a good, a good comic is like a good point guard. You can't just have one move. Mm. You know, you have to be able to figure out what to do when the crowd's drunk, what to do when they're older, what to do when they're, when they're uh, when they're young, what to do when it's clean? What to do when it's filthy? What to do when you follow somebody who crushes? What to do when you follow somebody who bombs? Or when the host fucks up your intro? Or when the host does too much time? Or when you go on like I, I literally did the Montreal Comedy Festival two weeks ago, and I was on the Kevin Hart LOL series, and I was on tenth out of eleven on the last show of the week, Saturday show. I'm on second to last, and you know a lot of comics were getting frustrated because the crowd was tired. But because I just been doing comedy for so long where the crowd is tired and even in my room, I go up 13th after 13 comics where you got to wig them up and I knew what to do. I knew what buttons to push, you yeah. know, whether it was like, okay, then I fuck with this guy and that guy and that guy. And I, I bring them all in and then you do your material. Yeah. You know, you have to but, have their attention. That was, that's the one thing that, uh, that always used to bug me when I would sit at the laugh factory and watch, I mean, obviously not the pros, but, but I would, well, some, I would, eh, some of the pros too, is that, you know, you do have to make sure you have someone's attention. <laughs> it would be like going up and starting to talk to a girl and telling her all the great things about you. And she's not even looking at you. It's like, yeah. you have to make sure you get their attention. And I think that that's, that's something that not every, I don't know, not every comic learns that. And so they go up and they go, oh yeah, they were, they hated me. They, this, I'm like, but you didn't even have their attention. You didn't connect with them at all. And it doesn't have yeah. to be a long thing, but you always do that. Every time I've watched you go up, well, you I, always I make know. sure, hey, like, yeah. it's kind of like a version of, is this thing on? Like, you just have to make sure you do something to where 
they recognize that you're up there and and connect with you. And then once you've got them, you can take them as long as you want. Tables before with my hand. Yeah. And like, like they're on the phone, I would smack the table. Right. And they thought, like, yeah, you have to do that. You know, I think there's a lot of comedy's funny like that because, you know, you could kill eight shows in a row and then you think you're the greatest comic. And the ninth show, people are, don't give a fuck about you. And then you're like, oh, well, they're idiots because the other eight shows I killed. And like, no, you can't. I mean, I literally learned. About, and then also there's not believing your own hype. You know, so many comics. I heard of a guy last week who did a show who's, a, you know, getting some major heat on this and that. I got a Netflix special. He did seven minutes and the crowd wasn't into it. So he walked off stage. It was in like Ventura and it was at some bar or some winery. And the guy was like, bad, ah, that don't deserve me. But no, you, you can't do that. <laughs> you can't. that. And that gets around. Yeah. Uh, you can kill 20 times. You bomb once. People are talking about the time you bombed. They're like, that, that's the way everyone remembers. Well, it's also scary now because everything's recorded. You know what I mean? And that could be your biggest hit on YouTube is the time you threw your mic down and walked off. I had that yeah. happen with a really well-known actor, the Friends with Benefits show. And the show was going great. I think you might have even been on it. It was a really great night, hot show, crowd was great. And the improv would always throw people and go, hey, you know, this famous person, that famous person is in. And, you know, you got to put him up. And I got no problem with it. But this guy was just a dick right from jump. You know, like I was trying to get his credits and he was giving me like, he was giving me weird credits, like off off the beaten path credits. And it's like, no, dude, everybody knows you from this movie or that movie. Why don't you want me to say that? But OK. So he kind of had an attitude with me and he went up and he he tanked. And I think he tanked because A, he's not really a comic and B, he didn't have any real material. And he threw the microphone down on the ground and stormed off the stage. <laughs> Just yeah, like no. I was like, I mean. If you're bombing, like try to get him back. And if you're not, if you can't get him back, then at least end the joke and, you know, totally. walk off. The best, the best bomb I ever saw was Eddie F. We did a show in San Diego and the crowd was just horrible. And he's like, I'm not leaving till I get a standing ovation. And then everyone stood up. <laughs> That's great. What a great, what, what's Eddie doing? I haven't seen him in so long. He's good. He's got, he's got a kid and he's doing well. He's, Still huge in Australia. He's working hard, and he's doing good. And he's doing really good. He's still funny as hell. I mean, he's a good dude. He would make me laugh. He would say, uh, "But him and Steve Byrne, they had, they were going at it." And he's like, he was introducing him. He's like, "This next comic was in Aspen during the Montreal Comedy Festival." <laughs> he was just horrible. He goes, "Steve Hofstadter, this next comic you've seen in your inbox." <laughs> That's my favorite shit. I mean, that's that's really to me the gold of of being a stand up comic is getting to hang around such oh, funny yeah. people and the way everybody ribs one another. I mean, it's just the way people tease they, they each other. Comic puts the black and white women. I I never, like, oh, oh my god! I mean, God forgot to actually annoyed that one, but it was so funny. Like, like he was just so funny. Him and Jay Davis had this like prank war one time. Where like uh, he, I think Jay had bought a bumper sticker and put it on Eddie's car and said "Honk if you support gay rights," <laughs> and people were just honking at him all day. <laughs> I'll never forget one time we were standing. I think it was. I think I was talking to Brett. We were talking to Brett Ernst, and he was, he was just being super funny and just doing. He was, you know, he was talking to me, but he was like doing material. And you were like, "Do I need to buy two drinks to stand here?" Or <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, Brett. Yeah, you know, yeah, Brett hurts himself. One time, I was at like, funny. I was at Brett's house. We're watching a. I was like, I first moved to LA. We're watching a boxing with me, him, Turtle from Entourage, and Jerry, and whatever, and somebody else. And I forgot I invited two of my friends to come, but I forgot to tell Brett. And I see them walk over, like you guys see them, like through the window, like walk to the door. And I'm like, oh shit! I go, Brett, is it okay if Mike and Dave come? He's like, yeah, okay. So I go to the door and open the door, and they walk in. <laughs> And here they are. Yeah, Brett was like, what the hell? He's like, what if I would have said no? <laughs> that shit used to, that used to happen to me at Joe Pesci's house because they used to do like these big Sunday dinners and I would bring people, you know, I bring different people with me up there or whatever. Brett's is still pissed because the one time I invited him, he was like sick and he couldn't go or he was working. Oh. I forget what it was, but um, I would bring people. And then those people, like if I did, they were like, hey, you going to Pesci's next weekend? And I was like, no, nah, I'm not going this Sunday. And and some of my friends showed up without me. Joe was like, 
<laughs> she was like, the people you brought last week came this week. I go, what? He goes, yeah, they they knew the gate code, so they just showed up. Oh, my God. He's like, you're lucky they were hot or would have told them to go fuck themselves. I'm like, oh, my <laughs> God. I said, guys, you can't just show. They go, oh, well, we just thought it was. Uh, yeah, we do it every week, but you're not invited every week. You still need <laughs> to be invited. Crazy. It's crazy. That's awesome. Love crazy. That. So, um, so now what? So I know you're doing a podcast too, right? You have a MMA podcast. Yeah. MMA roasted podcast, and then I got a show um, uh, that I'm working with 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 LOL with Kevin Hart's company. So just finalizing that, um, which is awesome. And then like a uh, show, like a comedy girl, show, or like a yeah, 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 like a comedy show, similar to the one that I had you on. I don't want to talk about it, but the one that you did like years ago, where okay. you pretend you were a porn actress. Yeah, it was so good, uh, wasn't it? It was so believable. Yeah, I, I like told that show five different times. So, uh, <laughs> so that show again, I'm doing with Kevin Hart's company, and then and then just working. I wrote that. I wrote a wrestling pilot, so I'm, I'm shooting that coming up, and then just trying to be a great dad. You know, I'm, I'm still on tour with Jeremy Piven. We got a couple of dates coming up in October and uh, one in September. And uh, that, that's been a lot of fun. Hanging hang, hang with Jeremy has been hilarious. hilarious. So what, what kind of dad do you think you're going to be when, because, you know, it, it's, it happens in a blink of an eye. I mean, you've known my daughter since she was, you know, little Harry Potter glasses and now she's 21. Yeah. So I know it's crazy. So crazy. It happens I, I fast. Kirby, like pretty woman. I'm like, no, no, no. I, I, I can't look at you like that. I, I have to look at you as a 12 year old, uh, that, that like the big which, glass, which is even, which is even creepier. Right. Yeah. No, no. Right. Not, like the innocent. I like the innocent, your daughter. Like she's this innocent little sweetheart. You right. know? Now she's like twerking on camera. I'm like, I no, know. I, 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 I know. I can't look. Uh, but I, I'm already like, she already has me around. Like, like my wife's been breastfeeding and I could tell my daughter and then I've been, she's sleeping and I could tell my daughter's still hungry. So I, you know, we, we have like breast milk in, in the fridge and I'm already giving it to her. And my wife's yelling at me like, why are you giving her that emergency breast milk? I'm like, cause she's hungry. Like, she's not hungry. So I'm already like giving into like, she can't even talk. She's a week old. And I'm already, you know, giving her what she, what I, what I think she wants. Right. Projecting so she, her feelings. So she's going to be spoiled for sure spoiled at the same time like uh you know probably gonna be protective a little bit and um i'm, I'm you know i'm just gonna look my daughter I'm so, i want her to be happy so as long as she's wrestling and doing jujitsu and boxing uh, that's all that matters <laughs> you know? right write that down that's great i mean it's got to be hard from I, I just think about from a guy I mean, obviously, you know, you're in love and married and settled down, but I mean, there was just a lot of years that you were single. So I just think it's going to be, it's going to be rough because anything that she talks to you about, you're going to be like, oh my God, no, no. No, yeah. I, all the tricks, I'll be able to decode what they say. Like, Hey, you know, come over and hang out. No, he's trying to fuck you, you know? (laughs) Yeah. But he just, hi, he's trying to fuck you. (laughs) You know, like just, yeah, I'm going to give her all the tricks. But I think that she knows how to defend herself. I mean, I'm serious. Like I coach wrestling and there was those little girls on my team. There's in a better than I think other girls. So as long as she could like, we're just going to have her train. My wife wants to put her in like beauty pageants and stuff. First of all, they, they like brought, they, she brought home these, these books like for kids. So I pick up a book to read to my, my kid and it's the story of Anne Frank. I'm like, how, why don't you pick this book? Like, this is like, it's like a kid's book. And it's like, there was this ugly man with a mustache named Hitler who wanted the Jews gone. I'm like, this is the first book I'm like reading to my kid. Like, wow, that's intense. What happened to Horton Years of Who or something? This yeah. is like, good night moon. I, I, I'm going to send I, you good night moon. Yeah. Cause <laughs> I like know the ending to this one. And then yeah. I look at all the books he writes. It's like Amelia Earhart, like Earhart, like all like the women that like this woman got caught in the Bermuda Triangle. This other woman, like uh, Rosa Parks, like it's all like it's called like little little people, big dreams. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like oh, do we have John Benet Ramsey's book too, and like <laughs> Casey Agnew's daughter? Like, what is this? Women who it doesn't turn out well for. Maybe she's trying to get yeah, her to so, just stay home. I mean, Listen, Nicole Brown does she have a book? Uh, like, well, this is not good. Women so, that yeah. didn't work out for. Terrible. Terrible. <laughs> so and, yeah. And. uh and are you are you guys planning on having a lot of kids? Have you talked about uh, that? No, I just want just one for now. I mean, my wife's only twenty eight, you know, so uh, yeah, time. Yeah, well, she's got her diapers, you know, taken care of. So yeah, we're just we're we're I'm not we're not rushing. 
Plus, it was weird having sex when she was nine months pregnant. I, I felt like I was too close. I don't want my kids' first words being me too. So. <laughs> oh my god, I have to. I have to ask you about that real quick because, like, every it seems like everybody that I talk to on the podcast, we get into a little bit of that, and I'm yeah. fascinated by. I actually even talked to my husband about this. I had him on the podcast. Like, I'm fascinated by the, like, obviously there's probably no, like, oh my God, for sure. I'm like going to jail. But is there, is there ones where you're like, fuck, there's some stuff out there that just could be. Uh, I actually thought about that when I was, when I was 12, I think I was at a party and I tried to go up a girl's shirt or something. And she was like, no, or something. And then I was like, shit, what if she's going to come out there? Uh, but then I think I got beat up by her boyfriend who was, who was also 12. Uh, and now we're still friends on Instagram, but, uh, but no, I mean, there was, there was, uh, there was none that, um, that I, there was one girl that like told me she had like a rape fantasy, you know, and we were hooking up and like, she was like, she like yelled something. She's like, rape. I'm like, wait, wait, what? She's like, no, I have a rape fantasy. I'm like, yeah, I have a staying at a prison fantasy. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so please do not yell that out ever. Uh, so that was like, but I was like, fuck, but no, there's been none. I mean, one time I actually had a girl, I was sleeping there and there was another girl who woke me up with a BJ and then she called me and apologized. And I was like, you're a She's like, I'm sorry. And I'm like, no, it's, it's totally like, listen, you're allowed to wake me up with BJs whenever you want. Unless I'm with somebody. So other than that, no, nothing. I, I have to tell you, like when it came down, I felt like I needed to call some guys and be like, listen, that was consensual. Like, I'm not coming after you. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I just felt like from a woman's perspective, like, cause, cause you know, there's a lot of things that you do that you, you know, just like, okay, it was, it's, it's all good. It's all fine. Because I feel like there's also been like, I don't know, men are different around me. I think everyone's a little freaked out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you're intimidating Italian, you know. Like, <laughs> yeah, listen, if you had done anything wrong, I, we wouldn't have to wait for a Me Too movement. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. My dad yeah. and five other guys would have taken care of it. Like, you know, even <laughs> when I watch, I like cringe when I see certain things happen because I think, oh, my God, if that was an Italian dad, like when, oh, yeah. when Kanye West ripped that award out of Taylor Swift's hands, it would have been the end. <laughs> yeah, that would have been back at the, at the end of the award show all black and blue like, I'm sorry for doing that he'd, have been, he'd have been wearing the award like it just would <laughs> there, <laughs> there would have been no yeah. way you rip a, a, an award out of my daughter's hands while she's saying her acceptance <laughs> speech yeah. all of that, the, whole, the whole award show goes black <laughs> <laughs> like just like no what the fuck happened there like I don't know yeah, yeah. They, they just like cut the good fellas like yeah. the middle of good <laughs> What do you think? I'm a clown. What the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah. Just doesn't. Yeah. You do. Yeah. I guess, I guess that's the thing. I remember when I was in high school, like I, I was like crying at some rap. We had like a rap party for a show that we did. And I went to like this performing arts school in New Jersey and I was crying and this guy was like, what's wrong? And I'm like, I, I'm ugly and nobody likes me. He's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, no guy ever asked me out. And they're like, that's cause your dad's in the mafia. I'm like, my, I'm, I'm like, my dad's not in the mafia. My dad plays saxophone, you know, but my dad used to ride around in this like 1937 Packard. So after he would drop me off from school, he would like circle the school and stare at everybody wearing yeah. like a hat. It's like so funny. Yeah, no, you know, I mean, that's, you know, my whole thing was also like, like, I mean, the good, I, I luckily ne never had to be aggressive or like, that kind of thing with girls, you know, like I just, luckily it's been, <laughs> when you do comedy, you, you don't really have to do that shit. You know, like the girls sort of like, it's just, it's just, I don't know me personally. I just, I didn't have to like, uh, and, 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 and if I felt like I was like, not going to get like laid, I was like, fuck it. I'm, I'm done. You know, I'm going to go cry or call someone else or whatever it is. Like not to sound arrogant. I just, that's not, that was, that's not my MO. It just was not my MO. It was to be pushy with people. You know? Yeah. And, and I don't know. I think it's just some, some guys are just creepy, you know, like when I heard some of the stories and stuff that came out and it was like, but from a female perspective, like, I don't know, like if some guy was like, Hey, I'm going to whip out my dick and jack off in front of you. And I didn't want to see it. I'd be like, yeah, I'm going to leave. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? I'm not going to yeah. stand there and watch you do that. And then be like, 
oh my God, I'm traumatized. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. I don't know. And I would say like, I brought up my daughter the same way. Like she'll call me and be like, what the fuck is wrong with my friends? Why are they, you know, she sees it. So that's my piece of advice to you as a parent. Like just really just talk to them. You know what I mean? I think so many parents try to pretend like, you know, they don't want to deal with it. And it's just good to talk about everything. Me and my daughter are super close. We're like best friends. And, you know, not to say we don't disagree and fight, but like, I just raised her to be super strong. And I you know, would tell her straight out, like, you know, people will fucking lie. You know, it's like not everything's a fairy tale. Like you, I would read the fairy tale and be like, OK, now this is how this probably really went down. okay okay a guy that wears tights is probably gay okay he's not a prince you know what i mean (laughs) don't 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 fall asleep eat something poisonous fall asleep and hope that someone's gonna kiss you and wake you up and it's all gonna work out right right right, right, just have your own alternative ending (laughs) yeah i love it i I love love it it. well it's been so great to talk to you where can people see you next you have everything on your website Uh, or yeah you know that adamhunter.com I'm going to be uh, Seattle on the 30th uh, at the parlor in Seattle and then Illinois. Um, I'm going to be at uh, the Blue Room in Illinois uh, that next weekend. And I, I got upcoming dates to like Des Moines, Iowa, and then uh, Rochester, New York with, with Piven and Vancouver again in September. If you go to at Adam Comedian on Instagram or Twitter, or at MMA Roasted on Twitter. You can see all that. And uh, thanks, Andrea. Thanks for having me on your show. Oh, you're welcome. Are you coming back to Vegas anytime soon? We have a lot of Vegas listeners, so. Yes, November 30th. I will be at the, uh, at the um, Dirty at 30. And then at the end of the year. Uh, Dirty, at Eve, 1230. Dirty at 1230. Dirty at 1230. Right. Okay. Yeah. And then, um, I'll be at the LA Comedy Club on the last week of the year. Oh, great. For New Year's. Yes. Oh, super. All right. Awesome. Well, give my love to your beautiful baby and your beautiful wife. And uh, I'm so happy for you, dude. You're killing it. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Get up those at the uh, stratosphere. Yeah, I will. For sure. All right. Thanks. Thanks. today i hope you enjoyed that as much as i did uh it was a lot of laughs and a lot of fun and i always learn something when i interview uh comics just i love the process and and their minds are so fascinating so i hope you guys had fun i got some dates coming up in vegas and some dates coming up in la everything's on my website andreanatoli.com and uh shoot me an email or a text not well not a text because i'm not giving y'all my phone number because i don't know who's listening out there but uh, shoot me an email or go on my website, comment. Let me know what you guys think about the show. And, uh, and if the comments are super positive, maybe I'll give you my number and then you can text me. All right, guys. Much love. Bye. Something about my accent, you've been just messing with my head.